Hey there, listeners. Michael here. If you listened to last week's episode, you probably know that this week's is just a continuation, so there's not a normal intro. So just uh, sit back and enjoy, and hopefully you've already listened to the last episode in which we talked about Harry Potter's 1 through 3, because this week's is all about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the fourth book and movie in the series. Strap in! So uh, yeah, let's just keep keep that discussion going. Um, so, Goblet of Fire. Well, let's uh, just as a refresher for those who aren't listening to these episodes back to back, we did establish Aww. in the first three that they introduced the world and things are on high alert, but we don't really know how things are going. Goblet of Fire opens up not too intensely. Um, no, more casually than the. It's like, the it's the first book where Harry leaves his house under uh, non dubious circumstances. It's it's a pretty cool <laughs> yeah I I really enjoyed that um I really enjoyed the fact that he basically so is this the one where he has been writing to his friends all summer long and has cakes and stuff and is not miserable beforehand yeah yeah and uh, and uh, Harry's uh, Ron's parents send like a letter. To uh, the Dursleys <laughs> asking their permission. With, yeah, because they didn't know how many they needed. <laughs> uh, they, they're asking permission. Oh. And it's so funny, of course, because the Dursleys are like, so how are they going to come pick you up for this World Cup thing? And and Harry's like, I have no... what." And he's like, they have a car. Had no idea, right? <laughs> he didn't know how they were going to be, but he's like hoping that it's just going to be the car driving up. Um, and then they come through the fireplace that's like all blocked up. Yeah. <laughs> because it's not oh, a fireplace is, that they use. This is our first hint of uh, Weasley's wizard wheezes or whatever. Because yes. they, they drop the things on the ground and Dudley eats one and his tongue grows. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, and uh, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, shoot, Weasley, the dad. Um, uh, I can't Mr. think of Mr. Weasley. What was it? <laughs> I said Mr. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? We know, we know his name. Arthur. Arthur, there you go. And Arthur yells at them afterwards because he had to go fix things, but then, like, still kind of gives them a wink because it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, good time. So, so yeah, and, and then you hear about this World Cup, and we like Quidditch from the previous ones, but we're like, wait, a Quidditch World Cup? So Quidditch that Harry Potter's not going to be playing in? <laughs> I know. It's kind of a big deal. And oh and my gosh, that entire Quidditch match is so intense. <laughs> well, and before that, you just you get thrown in. You meet um, you you know we discussed this during uh, talking about uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. You meet Cedric and his dad at the port key. This is our first real glimpse of, of Cedric Diggory, who is everything at the, by this point we have expected a Hufflepuff not to be right. Right, uh, Cedric is our redeeming Hufflepuff because up to this point Hufflepuffs are almost a joke, and uh, then we meet Cedric Diggory, who is strong and brave and smart and intelligent and loyal and a good friend and just an all-around nice guy. And really, that's everything a Hufflepuff should be. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. I only thought of this right now, um, but the Hufflepuff house is kind of like. Uh, and this is to cross over into a series that's not as good, but is still entertaining. And we discussed before um, the the Percy Jackson series. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, it's a lot like Hermes House, yeah. Right, and that is like sure there are some people who truly belong there, but also for people who don't 
necessarily who we don't know where they belong they can come here too and you feel like a lot of people in Hufflepuff is like hey they're good friends they want to you know spend life together with people and they're trustworthy but Cedric is capable and smart and you know I feel like Cedric Diggory is the poster child of what a Hufflepuff should be right because there's no reason why a Hufflepuff can't be brave in in many ways uh, the fact that loyalty and uh, um hard work and uh, almost following the rules are their qualities of the Hufflepuff house. Uh, that, that, that explains Cedric Diggory completely. Uh, he, because of that, he's brave because he's loyal to his friends because that he, because he follows the rules. He's smart because he's always studying for his classes and, and doing what he should do. And uh, he's, you know, he is a, he's a great guy and we see him constantly surpassing Harry in this book. Like, now, Just granted, he's his... got a few years on him, but he right. is. But he works for it. You know, it's like right. you don't have any reason to disregard him. As you know, you just you, there's no malice towards him. There's no reason whatsoever to feel any malice towards him. Um, right? Harry can, can't even muster malice against him, and he and Cedric's basically stolen the girl he has a crush on. <laughs> and Harry can't even bring himself to hate Cedric. <laughs> yeah. Um so but let's so we meet Cedric and his dad there and Cedric does that whole thing where he where he's just like dad stop it. Like stop I beat bragging that. about me dad. <laughs> yeah, well well it's not just bragging about it. It's like that was ridiculous. You weren't there. Harry the dementors yeah. got after Harry and then it was like, well, they didn't go after they didn't take you down and he's like, yeah, but Yeah, it's like, well, you didn't pass out, son. And he's just like And oh. he's like uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and of course Cedric's like, yeah, but they weren't specifically going after me, were they? Like you know, it, it's yeah. like, but he's not going to argue with his dad because he follows the rules and doesn't talk back. And, you yeah. know, it's, um, and it's just you get the impression he's a really good guy and there's no reason to dislike him whatsoever. And Ron tries to like tries to badmouth him and Harry just doesn't buy into it. Like, no, no, not badmouth him, but the way that kids do about like, oh, man, that kid, what a pompous something or other. And Harry's like, um, sure. No, not really. He's, he's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And and. and, and- yeah, go ahead. Then we go to the Quidditch World Cup, uh, where, where we, we learn that there's a whole the world. world. Yes, it's not just Britain. No, and no, it, there's Bulgarians. There's Bulgarians, <laughs> and there's people. And there are American witches, uh, and uh, the Irish, and uh, <laughs> like all of these people, and it's just like. And you have government regulations craziness. for you know not wanting to blow our cover and people ignoring them because this is because ex- yes. we're having a blast and that's just totally believable, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it really it fleshes out the world so much and it's such a lot. Like, you go through all that and then you get to see the matches and you see, of course, the Weasley twins betting and they're just making this ridiculous bet on which team they believe is going to win. And yep, yet it's going to be the, the other team. The Irish are going to win, but the Bulgarian are going to catch the snitch. Because, you know, it's uh, it's Victor Crumb. Is that, that's his name, right? Victor Crumb. He's, he's Victor yes. Crumb. He's the best seeker there is. Of course he's going to catch the snitch. But they're still going to lose. They're not as good a team. And, and you're just like, <laughs> in our minds, like, if you've been rereading and reading Quidditch and you know the rules, you're like, that sounds kind of ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's possible, but sounds kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and, and uh, the Minister of Sports... Uh, kind of laughs at them because of it you know he's like are you sure you want to make that bet (laughs) and uh they were sure (laughs) Um, and this is uh where we meet winky the house elf yes yes it is um the first normal house elf we meet yes yes 
Uh, this is also the book with the House Elf Liberation Front. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I love the whole Quidditch Cup. I mean, Quidditch games are always intense to read, but you were reading them from Harry's perspective. And this one, Harry's just watching it. And, uh,. It's still intense, and you're in this booth, and you have the Malfoys there, oh, and that tension between the Malfoys and the Weasleys, because they're like the opposite ends of the spectrum, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you, oh, I, I love the relationship between Arthur and Lucius, like how how they're just so opposite and don't get along together, but you can tell Arthur doesn't want to like blow his gasket in front of the kids. You know, right? Well, and, <laughs> and Lucius is just like pushing his buttons. <laughs> yeah, and, and this is the, th- the the thing you get is you know the Malfoy or excuse me the Weasleys, they're just they're just uh, like completely they're good guys, right? They 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 yeah. do what's right. Yes, they follow the rules, unless following the rules is wrong. You know, and and you already sort of get that inkling, even if it hasn't come to a head yet. Um, the Malfoys, on the other hand, only follow the rules to give the impression that they're doing what's right because they can't get away with being bad right now. Right. And and it's like, you know, all of the rules... So it's almost like they can sit there and they will criticize the Weasleys, who are good people, for not being completely straight-laced and, you know, and just cleaned up and f- doing everything in an orderly fashion... When they don't really put stock on those rules at all themselves, they're just doing it because it's a way to get into society's good graces. Well, the Malfoys are textbook Slytherins, right? Right. They right, right. they just want power. Yeah, and, uh, and this, again, I mean, we already know this, but this is just establishing how they're so polar. They're just complete polar opposites. Right. Um, whereas I think the Weasleys have a lot of Hufflepuff in them. Yes, totally. Um, it's just a matter of which which factor in them is the dominating factor. Like, you know, in, in the end, when you have the, <laughs> well, let's not get to that. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, uh, we're, we're talking about Goblet of Fire right now as its own thing. Um, so then, of course, we have the Quidditch World Cup ends in a horrifying fashion. It that does. That us back to the real world, if you will, uh, that th- things in the Harry Potter universe are not all candy and Quidditch right now. That there is a larger... Uh, story going on <laughs> yeah and and it's it's you see the we hear about what the dark mark is yeah and um and, and that's a big deal and of course though like everybody's panicking because they've been on high alert because of the stuff from the previous year with uh with Sirius black and now the dark mark has gone up at the biggest wizarding thing uh event there is right Yes, but what is interesting about that whole sequence, right, is that Death Eaters show up, start torturing the muggles who run the campground, and then the Dark Mark goes up and scares all the Death Eaters away. Right. Uh, and, of course, this is our first introduction, though we don't know it, to uh, the 10th Doctor, I mean, Barty uh, Crouch Jr. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, he uses Harry's wand, because Harry loses his wand in the uh, kerfuffle. Which, the, fas- the fascinating thing about this is that that's essentially coincidence. Yes. Which yes. is fantastic. And, and I just when they pick up Harry's wand and they cast a spell on it to see what the last spell was done, and it's the dark mark, and... Uh, and Barty Crouch like, is like, why did you do this? And then, of course, the people are like, Crouch, do you look know at who, who you're talking to. <laughs> like, of all people, <laughs> come on. He doesn't even know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even know how to do this. He doesn't even know what it is. 
it's Harry freaking Potter. Look at his eye, like look at above his eyebrow. Like, come on, yeah. <laughs> of all yeah. people. And he's like, oh, you're right. And of course, we're just like, okay, this guy's on a high alert. But that's still kind of weird. And then later on, we understand why he's so stressed. Yeah. But, it, but it's also a statement uh, – th- this whole sequence is not just a statement on the hysteria that's still in the world, right? It's a statement on the relationship the Death Eaters have with Voldemort right now, which is to say none. Because uh, the Dark Mark scares them away. Because they, they know they abandoned him. Right, right. They are afraid of Voldemort coming back. Um, they still enjoy – uh, torturing muggles and all the things Voldemort stands for. But they know that when Voldemort comes back, there's going to be hell to pay. And uh, this is, of course, the... Tr- not. It's not stereotypical. It's accurate. This is the thing about when you're a bad guy, like in real life or not, when you get in with a bad crowd, your friends aren't real friends, right? Like, right. your allies are... When the commonality that you have is being cruel, you can't... Like, there isn't... Forgiveness is not a thing... Um, like, you know, it's the, once you, when you fail to, to stand up for somebody or fail to continue behind them, hell is probably, you're going to have hell to pay afterwards. Like, and, and that's, uh, it is, it's a, it's a very good point of just drawing that forward. It's like, oh, they don't know that things are happening. Um, whoa, you know, one thing that we really totally just skipped though, uh, the flashback or the, not the flashback, the, uh, the dreams, that Harry's been having. In the fourth book? Right. Before, yeah, it's definitely in the fourth one. Right? Oh, with uh, Pettigrew and... Uh, and we don't know, and the and the weird monster child thing, and... Yeah, uh, and, what's and the name? snake. And, and Nagi, N- Nagini? Nagini? Yeah, Nagini. 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 Yeah, that's a, that, isn't that how it opens? I think that is how the Harry, book opens. Harry, that's such an intense... So, I, I, so the book opens with Harry in a reasonable state, but man, that opening scene with like the just with the the housekeeper or the the lawn keeper or whatever the groundskeeper of the mansion getting killed, getting yeah. killed. That's intense, and you're like, oh crap. <laughs> but then things are, Voldemort's coming back. I mean, that's the opening that tells you this is not another wheel turning book, right? This yeah. is not going to be kid Voldemort. This is not going to be serious black. This this book is about Voldemort. Yeah, and so that's when the the dark mark thing. You're like, who happened? Because we have no idea who threw it up. No. Right? Um, it, it's a shot. It's a, like, Harry sees who it is, but he has no idea who it is. Right, right. Well, and there's no way, even if he were someone who knew what he looked like, he still wouldn't know who it is. Because it's, right. no, nah, he doesn't look like a person. He looks like some weird thing, right? Uh, it, very... No, I think he looks like a person. He just doesn't know who it is. Well, I thought he looked like a monstrous child of some kind, didn't he? Like a mm-hmm. like an infant. Oh, are we talking about Voldemort? Yeah. He knew who yes. he yeah. I thought we were talking about Barty Crouch Jr. No, 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 no. I'm talking early on. Yeah, he doesn't know who, who Barty Crouch Jr. is. And he hasn't seen him because he doesn't exist as right. far as people know. Right, right. No, no. He, uh, I don't think in that opening sequence he even sees Voldemort at all. Because uh, when they when he... No, he does. That's when he wakes up. He turns to... Right when the guy turns to see Voldemort and Voldemort's going to kill him, that's when he wakes up from the dream. Um, but we see the entire scene remember. from his perspective, I'm pretty sure. From Nagini's perspective. From... Nagini's perspective, rather. Don't we? Isn't that what's happening? Oh man, that's I don't terrible. Remember. I've reread this book so many times. I can't remember. I don't. I, I can't believe I, don't I remember reread this, this book to the point that the book is literally in pieces, and yes. I had to buy a new one. Mine as well. Um, th- th- <laughs> this this book I I read cover to cover before Order of the Phoenix came out sixteen times, 
And yeah. and that was not counting all the times I picked it up to read one scene and then couldn't put it down. There were times where I picked it up yeah. just to it, read part of the Quidditch World Cup, and then the next thing I knew, it was like five hours later or six hours later, and I had finished the book. Yeah. Um, if you pick up my copy of Goblet of Fire, chunks fall out, literally. <laughs> chunks. Yes. It's, uh, uh, I, I had to get a new one. Um, but I didn't get rid of my chunky one because uh, uh, it's got the wrong ending sequence, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> so, because um, you know they updated the ending sequence in the in, later editions. I'm, I'm thinking in the world, the Quidditch World Cup thing happens. Um, what? Uh, who are the people who, when they, when the Aurors all throw the, you know, the petrifying blasts around? Who are all the people who are stunned? Um, because that is when Barty Crouch loses Barty Crouch Jr. Correct? Right. Bar- Barty Crouch Jr. gets stunned. Um, and, uh, and he's, he's in an under invisibility the invisibility cloak. cloak. Right. So, uh, nobody, cause he, he put up the dark mark and, um, and that's why Winky is crying cause she can't find him. Um, right. And that's why Barty Crouch starts losing his mind. Right. Um, cause he, he just lost his death eater son. Right. <laughs> um, and, uh, somehow, of course, Barty Crouch Jr. ends up uh, at school um, as Mad-Eye Moody. And we hear about the Mad-Eye Moody thing with the trash cans, which is how we discover later on is how uh, Barty Crouch Jr. took him down. Yep. Um, which is really, like, just a clever sort of... Again, the thing that... The, the things she drops in that later on when you reread, you're like, oh, that's what that was. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the thing I always found weird about the whole Barty Crouch, Mad-Eye Moody thing is Barty Crouch Jr. was a really effective defense against the Dark Arts teacher. <laughs> yes, he was. I mean, second to Lupin in how effective, like, he might have been more effective. I think he Lupin. was more effective uh, because he was he crazy. He was the best defense against the Dark Arts teacher they had, and he was except not Except for Mad-Eye maybe Moody. Harry. Yeah, except maybe Harry. And what I always thought was interesting is um, in the later books, Harry always assumes he knows Mad-Eye Moody. Like, every interaction with Mad-Eye Moody in books 5, 6, and 7, you feel like Mad-Eye Moody was his professor for that year. But Mad-Eye Moody was not his professor. Well, and, and Harry knows that, but he can't help it. Like, right? I think it's maybe even said at one point is, like, he keeps – he has to remind himself. And it's – because you think about it, the connection that he had, like, he trusted him. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. And he looked like him and he smelled like him and he spoke like him, you know. And- oh, man. And so it's funny. Every time uh, we're at a security meeting at work, uh, one of my friends always looks at me and goes, constant vigilance. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like we should just put up signs that say constant vigilance and everyone in our generation would know exactly what you're talking about. Uh, all caps, too, because yeah. it was always in all caps. Um yeah, I mean, Barty Crouch Jr. taught Harry how to fling the Imperious Curse off of himself, which is what allows Harry to survive the end. <laughs> which is really funny, because you think about it, and I, the only way I can... Some of his behavior only makes sense to me in that he is insane. Yeah. Um, because, and part, maybe part of it is that he, uh, a pride thing, he's like, look, my master is... He deserves someone who is actually worthy of his time, right? Like, it might be one of those things, because he sees Harry, and he's just this punk kid who's not really worth anything, and he's it's almost like a pride thing. He's like, look, 
no matter what, you can't really do anything to my master. You should at least be worthy of being dominated by him, right? Like, yeah. it's almost, almost kind of the twisted, crazy person logic I can try and put, put it's definitely form. crazy person logic. Right. But, but uh, I, I feel like I've heard of such crazy person logic before. Um, yeah. And I think this is our first book where um, Harry and Ron have a serious, almost friendship ending fight. Right? Because uh, Harry is selected as a champion. Yes. Oh my god. That uh, scene was so intense. So so let's let's set the groundwork, right? Harry of course we're all disappointed that Harry can't submit his thing because of safety, which and this is the first time that they've done that, right? Where they've restricted ages. Because we like Harry and we're like, of course Harry's gonna get picked. Because he's the hero of the story, right? And then they're like, oh, he can't do it. And we're like, oh, that's a bummer. So we're just going to have to watch this the same way we watched the, the World Cup. Isn't he going to get to do anything? <laughs> or at least that's how I thought about it the first time. And yeah. things go through, and everybody's like, hey, Cedric Diggory. And I'm like, hey, we like him. And Harry's like, yeah, good. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, the cup starts going again, and it and a fourth name appears. And you're like, wait, what? What just happened? And you totally understand everyone booing Harry. And Harry's, like, scared. Because he's like, I, what? I didn't... Huh? <laughs> I didn't do this. I was perfectly okay watching people. Um, big deal. Yeah, I mean, th- this was going to be like, is Harry going to get this book off? You know? Like, are, are we actually going to get to watch the Triwizard Tournament? Because <laughs> I mean, we already saw, you know, Fred and George try to defy the age line, and they were almost the right age. Um, right, they were... Was it like a, a couple of weeks or something, or a few days? Yeah, yeah. I think they were like a month or so away. And, um, and you know, Harry and Hermione and Ron didn't even try. You know, like, Harry and Ron joked about it, but they weren't seriously considering it, because they knew... Dumbledore made it very clear how very dangerous this was. And the reason why this tournament hadn't happened in, what, a century? Was because people die during it. Um, right. And, and I like the fact that because Ron is Harry's best friend, he does not distrust... Like, he just doesn't... He feels like Harry must be hiding from him. And, and Hermione immediately is like, okay, I know you couldn't have done that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, and you especially couldn't have without somehow getting Ron to help you figure something out. Like, um, not that you two necess- together would have been able to, anyways. But you wouldn't have hidden <laughs> that from Ron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like so. So she's immediately like, "Well, I guess I got to help you figure this out. Like, what's going down? Because I know you didn't do this, but somebody else did this, and they're trying to." And of course, that takes you to the line when Ron finally makes up when he's like, "Harry, I reckon somebody's out to kill you," or yeah, <laughs> someone's yeah, trying to kill it's you. Like you wouldn't be crazy enough to sign up for this. Yeah, um, I also think this book uh, emotionally is probably the hardest on Hermione. Um, it's it's one thing when Hermione and Ron aren't talking to each other. Uh, because I feel like they're both equally good friends with Harry in in a way. Um, but when Ron and Harry aren't talking to each other and Hermione is the go-between, it is extremely hard on her. And you can tell. Like, she yeah. I, she snaps, like, five times in this book. Because that's not the uh, kind of person she is. Like, right, she's, she's a good not, friend, but she's yeah. a book person. She's not a people person. Right. She's not there to solve the uh, the people problems between them. And, and she's not good at being the go-between. And they're both her really good friends. And she doesn't know how to fix the problem. And, and she's also, you know, as she says in the movie, highly logical, that uh, <laughs> it's, it's hard for her to 
when she sees so clearly that Ron is being ridiculous. Um, so it's hard for her to even really be friends with Ron, you know? Yeah. And, and at um, that point, too, though, she can't, like, put her foot down because, well, what's going to happen? Ron's not going to talk to either of them, you know? Right. Right. Uh, yeah. And, of course, she throws herself into the whole house elf liberation front business. Uh, what do they actually end up calling it? Spew? Right? Is that right? Spew. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I don't remember what it... I, 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 just I think that is acronym. right. I don't remember what the acronym uh, actually meant. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't either. I just remember the name of the chapter is House Elf Liberation Front. Right. Um, and uh, she's throwing herself into that, and Harry feels bad that he can't help her, and of course Ron's being a crappy friend. And he just have like, this is the book of like them being crappy friends to each other. You know? Uh, yeah. Like, and then, of I mean, course, five. there's the – then they, they make up and then there's Ron and Hermione not being on speaking terms because of Victor Crumb, which is ridiculous. Oh, Victor uh. Crumb. <laughs> Hermi- Hermione Nini. Um, this is the book that taught us Americans how to pronounce pronounce Hermione. Uh, yep. I was, I was pronouncing it Hermione until this book. I was pronouncing it Hermione. And uh, then there was this book, Mandy, and there's that whole the O sequence. and I are in opposite places. I know, How Michael. did you? <laughs> At least mine makes My sense. <laughs> uh, but there's that whole sequence after the lake, um, and uh, they're like sitting there, and she's like, "No, it's it's Hermione," and I was like, "Light bulb." <laughs> that's yeah. how you say your name, uh, and I'm pretty sure that's exactly why that was put in there. Probably, probably it's pretty funny. American kids. Because when it comes down to it, there's more American fans than British fans. Just, cause just because there are more of us. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot more of us, yeah. Um, uh, so, there are yeah. More Americans. so anyways, let's, let's step through. So he gets to school. He meets Mad-Eye Moody. Everybody is like, oh, this is exciting. We're going to have some real defenses against the dark art stuff. Because Mad-Eye Moody, is, he's seen real stuff. He's crazy, but he's seen real stuff. And he's got yep. that crazy eye that can see everything. Oh, man, that eye. So fascinating. Um, but... Yeah, um, so he goes through and he learns a lot of stuff and and we and he gets thrown into the tournament and keeps you know just kind of scraping through things and some of it shows again Harry is actually capable like and which we learned some in the previous time uh, in the previous book because of the uh, the the Patronus um, but he's learning to do more and um, and it, it's really and actually there are some really neat things neat lines that uh. You appreciate Barty Crouch Jr. as as uh, Mad Eye Moody saying, like for instance, when they they did the Boggart thing. Um, no, the Boggart was in the previous one, wasn't it? No, no, never mind. The, the first time was we in book three. Boggart was in book three when it was introduced, and that's when uh, that is when uh, he wasn't allowed to face the Boggart. Right. Right. And then in the fourth one is when he actually is allowed to because Mad Eye Moody's slash. Barty Crouch Jr. is crazy. And so he actually assumes the same way Lupin does, he assumes that Voldemort would pop out and wreak havoc on people, right? But, in fact, it's a Dementor. And yeah. And it's pretty cool. Like, the line he says is like, Doesn't oh, that all happened in book three, too? Huh? Did, did we I s- thought that was in book three. I don't think he sees a bogger that turns out to be a Dementor in book three, does he? I think he does because he practices on the bogger. You're right. You're right. You're right. And then he's told, "Well, that's a very good." Never mind. I'm confusing people's lines. It was Lupin's line that was, uh, "That's a you know a worthy thing to be afraid of because it's essentially fear itself rather than," um, right. <laughs> which is like, you know, hey, American presidents for the win. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Uh, so going back to 
to this. See, you know, we know that Harry is capable of things, and he is capable, and he's doing some some stuff that are pro- is probably beyond his year, um, where people in his year should be able to do in in these challenges. But we don't really get an indication until later that he's actually give, being given an easier time than the other competitors are in some ways, um, which is really sort of a neat revelation when you have it. He's like, I'm the one who cleared the path, you know, in front of you. Uh, this is Barty Crouch Jr. doing it, um, saying it, which I'm jumping way ahead in the story. Uh, it's a good thing everyone listening to this has already uh, already read the <laughs> this book and uh, knows it backwards and forwards. But it, it's neat to think that, like, he's had his challenges lessened, but at the same time still does have some instances of dumb luck or confidence and and uh and the whole thing where he is actually the first person to the uh to the captured victims to the people underwater yeah to the people underwater and he's only the first person there because his path was cleared ahead of time but yeah. he sticks around because he's brave and like he's a heroic person and he's like no this is wrong like i'm not going to leave these people behind i don't care if i'm only supposed to take one i'm going <laughs> to i'm going to stand here and make sure everybody gets out safe and that's a hairy thing to do yeah and also it- really appreciate later uh moody's revealed frustration that uh he leaked the right answer to neville for how <laughs> harry should do it but at this point harry and neville don't really have a i mean they're friends but well, Harry's too proud to ask everybody right. for help. And, and so it's Dobby who actually provides him the answer. Right. Um, and Again, though, they also don't... the hint dropped to him as well. Right. Well, I, I I don't think... It wasn't that Moody purposely dropped the hint to Dobby. It's no, he, that Dobby he did. overheard. He said that he mentioned uh, intentionally mentioning out loud in a conversation to another... Uh, to another professor while Dobby was doing work like around uh, that uh it's like if only if only young potter knew that all he needed was a thing of gillyweed um so yeah, yeah. so yeah, he did I actually just, I just remember him being frustrated though that harry didn't talk to neville yeah <laughs> uh which which is yeah. again because the hint is drawn like we see that book ahead of time like we see mm-hmm. ne- neville getting a really big like we know neville's big into what's it called herbology um, yeah, I was going to say botanism, but that's um, uh, he gets into, real world. Yeah. Michael, <laughs> he gets into herbology like really big, and he's actually good at it. And then he, and then you know, Mad Eye Moody doesn't make connections to it with anyone. And then you're like, oh man, that Mad Eye Moody, he sat me down and he just talked to me, and he gave me this great book. And you're like, oh, that's that's awfully nice and uncharacteristic, except not totally uncharacteristic because we know he's taking Harry under his wing. So it's just there's all kinds of ways where you can understand why Harry wouldn't think anything of it. Um, yeah, and of course, additionally, putting us off track, this is the book where we learn about Neville's parents. Yeah. So we see an additional reason why the real Moody would be extra nice Neville because he would have right? tons of respect uh, for for Neville's parents. He's like your parents, you know, they suffer basically like we're all prepared for death. You know, we're oars. We're all prepared for death, but being yeah. driven insane by torture is a whole different thing. And, you know, you know he... There's no question he has immense respect for him. And I believe later on, do we actually see... Uh, later on in the series, do we see Moody mention, like, offhandedly or something, something about the Neville's parents? I feel like we do. Um, 
We do definitely in the movie. I, I can't for the life of me remember if it happened in the book. Uh, because in the movie, they have Moody give Harry the picture of the old uh, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. Or no, maybe that was serious. Maybe I'm know. confusing the movie. Maybe in the book it was Moody who gave him the picture of the old of the old uh, Order of the Phoenix and he's pointing out the different people and he's like, "Oh, that's such and such he's dead. That's such and such he's dead. Oh, look, they're crazy." Uh I think in the movie they made it serious. I just remember that they're different from each other, the okay. movie and the book, in that aspect. Uh I think in the book it is Moody and yeah, that's another point where he points out, you know, <laughs> Neville's parents are crazy. And that's and the of kind of only change. Harry knows in book 4. If that is the change, and I don't remember which is which, if that is the chain, the kind of change that they made, you would totally understand that from a storytelling perspective, because we didn't have nearly as much time to connect to Sirius in the movies as we did in the book, so having some extra scene to do that in would make sense. Um, You're right. Because his connection to Sirius matters a lot more than a connection to Moody. Um, anyways, but yeah, so getting back to Goblet of Fire... Um, we go through all the challenges, which are intense, and they're just establishing these the friendships and establishing more of the interactions between schools and establishing the way that people always, like, kids and adults alike want to suspect people of doing stuff in their best interest. Nobody believes Harry that he didn't submit himself. Well, okay, the adults know he didn't because they know he, there's no way he possibly could. But the kids are like... He just wants attention. <laughs> like, you know. Um, right. And... And that makes sense, but then after a while, some of them start to get behind him when he's actually doing well, um, and there's not really anything they can do, because it's a magical contract. It's not like you can stop him from doing it. You know, right. it's just a, it's, it's just firmly written. There's no way to undo it. Um, then you get to, I mean, we can really just skip ahead. All this stuff happens, it's intense, and we get to the point where he gets to the port key. Um, uh, yeah. Is it well, he, he goes ins- through the maze, and uh, Victor Crumb has been mind controlled to uh, which we don't know at the time. Yeah, but you, so you, Victor Crumb attacks him, and of course, this makes you feel like maybe Victor was always a bad guy all along. Which um, we don't want to believe, but hey, maybe like we don't really have a reason not to believe that. So. Well, well, we know we know at this point that uh, Crackeroff, or R- however you say his name, was Karkaroff? a death Car- Yeah, uh, which is you know Victor Crumb's Dumbledore. So we know that he is, he's fled. Um, right. and he is, he was talking to Snape about it. Um, right. and he, and he's essentially, yeah, he just left out of cowardice. So um, it's not too far off to be like, Whoa, maybe Victor Crumb is a bad guy. Not, not that I think any of us really thought that. Um, right. But, but, uh, but yeah, so him and Cedric, uh, go grab the port key together. Um, they're like, Hey, it's a Hogwarts win. And you know, Hey, it's a really beautiful moment, right? They're like, we're going to win together. Um, because you know, at this point I would have lost and you could have won. And at this point, you know, and vice versa, vice versa. So let, let's just do this together. And then when they, they grab the port key and they arrive there and there, there's not even quick. Don't each of them offer the other to do it instead of them first before they decided. And that's the thing that really drives it home is it's not like, no, no, I don't want it alone. Why don't we do it together? It's like, you deserve it. No, you deserve it. All right, let's yeah. do it together. Like, they yeah. were both perfectly willing to let the other person win with no hard feelings. Right. Which is, right. Which is awesome. Like, it, it's, yeah. just, it's the kind of connection that you want bet- between a character like Cedric and a character like and Harry. And Harry. And then what's so brutal about <sighs> the next sequence, right? Oh, my is gosh. Gra- and I think it's almost the first line that's uttered is kill despair. 
and Cedric is almost killed immediately. Cedric is far more capable than Harry. Far more capable. And he doesn't even stand a chance against Voldemort and his Death Eaters. Which is something uh-huh. that this series has been... It, it has a light touch on, but it tries to drive home really well, is that when it comes down to it, these kids, they're still just kids. Yeah. <laughs> All of the adults are more capable than they are. Yeah, because, Cedric didn't stand a chance. Yeah. He didn't even get a chance to fight. I mean, they barely knew what had happened, and Cedric is dead. They didn't dead. know at all. They were like, "What just happened?" They're they're a little bit disoriented from the port key. Yeah. Um. Let's let's go. Uh, I guess we can <laughs> not talk about the inconsistency that is the port key. Um. That the fact that it worked <laughs> at all is like that doesn't make any sense. But well, we, we could get to that later. Um. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really like it, it's just you're you're just blown away when you read that there's no way to expect that coming right you're no just like, i i think the first time i read it i was like what just happened cedric's <laughs> dead and harry's just like in shock um and harry's I mean, leg is broken right death. yeah uh, yeah yeah harry is his arm broken is his, i think it's his, leg. his arm gets cut i think is it his, i think he's limping isn't he i think it's like his leg is broken I, from like the fall from the port key or something like he lands he's not thing. a top notch i mean but he doesn't i mean Pettigrew gets the best of him right Pettigrew. <laughs> uh so yeah he, he's not on his a game and um this yeah this this whole sequence is just this is the first time someone that we know as a reader that we know and like dies yeah um and it's really heartbreaking when it comes down to it yeah um uh and, and things happen so fast that you almost don't realize it. I mean, you know it happens, but you're so engrossed, especially the first time you're reading it. And, uh, well, and, and then, it, of course... Yeah, it happens in the middle of stuff. Like, it's not even like, oh, this guy died, now let's mourn him. It's, he died, and Harry's not given a chance to. Like, Harry's screaming, no. but he can't do anything about it. And yeah, we're, we're not given a chance. There's no, like, movie-esque slowdown on this person right before they die. You know? Like, he just dies. He's just dead instantly. It's, it's, you almost feel like this is how war would be like, right? Right? Like, right. your guy dies, but you have to duff, die, like, duck for cover, you know? Like, right, right. You, there's, there's no chance to mourn. There's no chance to think about it. You you have to keep going or else you're going to die, too. Yeah. And, uh, of course, uh, Voldemort comes back. Uh, they use Harry's blood. Um, and now Harry has lost his mother's protection from Voldemort. And then Voldemort calls all of the... Um, death eaters to him yeah and of course there are holes in the circle but this is where we learn with beyond a shadow of a doubt that lucius malfoy is a death eater yes and uh, uh, and we learn that and both karkaroff is not there and snape is not there and harry like and, notes that you know and neither is barty crouch and remember uh the line voldemort utters is something like uh and of course my most loyal servant who's at Hogwarts. Right. Which makes um, you think, could it be Snape? But you don't right, want to. Right, which definitely makes Harry think that. Right. Um, because and, Harry knows Snape was a Death Eater. Right. Uh, yeah. And, of course, it's Barty. Um, which which we have no idea at the time. Like, at the time, we're still like, wait, who? Because we yeah. don't know. Like, we, as far as we know, he's still actually Mad-Eye Moody. Um uh, and so that yeah. scene's just and uh, and of course then you have yeah this whole sequence is like blood curdling yeah right? well, and because and, it's not only does he call them there he calls them there and they're all they all see Harry and there's no hiding their faces yeah. right yeah like there's no hiding their faces that are like you know that in their minds they're like oh crap 
this kid sees it. Now, granted, we know that the Lord is the Dark Lord. But they're kill them all right confident now. that Harry is going to die. Is going to die. Um, and Voldemort goes to kill Harry. And us as the reader, I mean, we know Harry's not going to die because there's going to be a book five, right? And but in at our the same mind, time, there's this fear, right? Because Cedric just died. And if Cedric can die, anyone can die. Well, and, right? we're just, and in our minds, too, though, like for me, I knew Harry wasn't going to die, but clearly things were going to change. And it was like, well, what's going to change? Like, what's going to happen now? And he has seen all these people's faces and he is registering them. How is that going right. to change things? Right. Are they going to want to kill him now? You know, like if he survives this, are the Malfoys going to come after him? Like, yes. are, are he going to have all these Death Eaters trying to kill him because he knows the truth? Um, yeah. And of course, then we have Voldemort try to uh, kill Harry. And Harry uh, Expelliarmus uh, or whatever. Uh, <laughs> Was it Expelliarmus that he used? Probably. Because I that think was his it go-to. was. Isn't, isn't it his favorite? Uh, yeah, because he learned it in the uh, with Gilderoy Lockhart. Like he he learned that training for the uh, dueling club. That's like the only thing he learned from Gilderoy Lockhart, right? Uh, <laughs> that in the memory charm. Well, and I don't think he even <laughs> learned it from Gilderoy Lockhart. He learned it practicing stuff with Hermione, right? I uh, I, oh, I don't he didn't remember. learn it. No, he learned it in the first one when they were learning useful spells for when they were going to go into the uh, into the thing, um, right? Into the um, yeah to get the sorcerer's stone. So. Yeah, and, and then of course Harry and Voldemort's wand does that uh, the, weird thing. Yeah, the the uh, priori incantatum thing. Uh, well, that's yeah. just the spell, but it does that thing. The sibling, um, the the sibling wands yeah. because they're both because the phoenix feather is both from fox, which yeah. is just a fascinating additional touch because like all these things in Harry's life dictated by the scar, right? Like yeah, because. Every indication is he only got that feather because of the connection that he had to uh, to Voldemort. Um, yeah, but that, and it's and just, it's course, incredible that the that because Voldemort has not been active for such a long time, right? And so we see the previous spells coming out. But it, the fascinating thing is just the the, the back and forth, um, just of pure willpower, right? Um, right, and it's the beats as he just. Yes, the beads going back and forth. It's, it's like a bead, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, originally, uh, Harry's parents came out from the wand in the wrong order. Uh, right. In the version you and I both read. In the newer versions, that has changed. Oh, did and they, they change it? That. Yeah, it's oh. changed. That's why I will never get rid of my goblet of fire that's falling apart. Uh, they, 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 they did go back and change it. I didn't realize they changed I, I always assumed that she was just going to come some, come up with some way of kind of ret- uh, retconning that into being accurate. Um, yeah. But, but it's like, yeah. this This is the first time Harry has really met his parents. I mean, there was the the Mira uh, of, of, of Arised, or I always pronounce it Arised, desire. desire, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Mira of Backwards but, Desire. But they didn't really talk to him, you know? Um, and they... Th- and even though this is not really them, it, it's a sh- it's just a shadow of them. Uh, it's it's the first time Harry ever sees them, and it's very emotional, right? Like you have that, you have Cedric asking for Harry to take his body back. Uh, it's it's just like they're like we can hold Voldemort off for so long, but you you we can't protect you. You have to go, and uh, 
And Harry breaks the spell, grabs Cedric, and grabs the port key, and is transported back to a place where nobody has any idea what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and he's just been traumatized. I think the, this is, the movie does this really well. Um, where he comes back and he's in the middle and, and like completely all the music's still playing and everyone's still cheering and Harry's just like screaming and holding Cedric's body. Um, yeah, because that's the thing. Like reading that was just like, oh my gosh! Like because he he goes and you hear in in my mind I was hearing what was going on like people being like Harry Harry and he just refuses to let go. He's like no, yeah, no. Like, he's like no. I promised I'd bring him back. Yeah. Like you know. You can't. I can't let go. And oh my gosh, that's when when Cedric asks, and they all just turn against Dumbledore just to give him time. Oh my. Uh. You mean Voldemort? Did I say Dumbledore? <laughs> I keep doing yeah. that. Voldemort, Dumbledore. I don't know why I say those names, but yes, uh, so intense. Um, yeah, it, I, th- that scene just coming back, and then of course, and you hear Dumbledore saying, "No one take him anywhere," right? Like, yeah, like no one. Because Dumbledore had to deal with something really quickly, and he's like, "No one take him out of my sight." And then Mad Eye Moody, Moody takes him, and you're like, "What?" But no, but, but Dumbledore said not to go anywhere, and and Harry just doesn't have the wherewithal to not go. Like he's like, "Okay, right. yeah." And it's Moody. Moody's By this been... point, we have no reason not to trust Moody, right? right? Like we know he's crazy. So when Moody disregards Dumbledore's command, we're like, "Well, it's Moody." It's Moody, right? And he takes him back to his office, and he and you have the mirror, right? The one that shows his enemies, right? Uh, and they're like all moving and shadowy, but they're getting closer. And um, and Mo- Moody starts asking him weird questions and referring to Voldemort as the Dark Lord. Uh, it, it was a weird, it was a weird disjointed moment. The first time I read that, I was like, "What is happening?" <laughs> and the, the really interesting thing to to think about though is this is the one Barty Crouch Jr is the one bad guy who completely succeeded at what he was supposed to do. Yes. Right? Like, he accomplished everything he was supposed to do and more. Like, you know, it, it was Voldemort dropping the ball. Not not him. Right. Um, right. Like, Moody, Moody did everything right. He, he was the, one of the most competent bad guys we got in the entire series. I mean, he. I would say, yeah, like, it, any... Any way that you could say he wasn't the would just be other people being equally equally compliment, yeah competent, but nobody was more competent than him, good or bad. I mean, he was he didn't mess up at really at any point. Like the point where he messed up it was at the end, except that it was irrelevant. Like his cover was going to be blown, you know, because right. once they're like once Harry was like, and they said that the you know he said that his biggest uh, supporter is at Hogwarts. Dumbledore would have figured it out, you know, like that that, right. that was that. So. He... And of course, uh, Harry figures out Moody is bad in this sequence because Moody says something that Harry didn't tell anyone. Um, uh, what did he say? I don't. Remember. I, I don't remember what it was, but it was like he asks a question, and Harry's like, "Wait, how do you know that?" Um, right. And then, right. of course, he starts seeing the whites of the eyes in the mirror, which is what Moody had told him earlier. Like he didn't worry about his enemies until he could see the whites of their eyes. And and then I think is it. Is it Snape and Dumbledore who come through? I feel like Snape is very shortly there. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's Snape first, then Dumbledore. Perhaps I can't remember. This is terrible. I, I, I feel like a bad yeah, Harry I, Potter I don't, fan. It's been, <laughs> it's been a long time since I've read these books. Yeah. Um, at least I think it's been I think it's been two years for me. I need to. It's do been it. longer. I, I need to do a full re- series reread sometime soon. I haven't read them since the seventh one, like a, just a little bit after the seventh one came out. Um, I. I reread well, you know that is. Well, I recently reread six and seven and didn't go all the way back. Oh, I couldn't do that. 
like two years ago. Uh, well, it's because my little sister was rereading Seven, and she kept asking me questions about it. Um, so then I reread it, and uh, the questions kept referring back to Six. So then I read Six, and right. uh, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. so but, Goblet uh, of Fire. Um, yeah, but it Goblet of Fire. The the game completely changes in Goblet of Fire. The mm-hmm. the book changes. Um, and I remember, which is funny, when I was reading Goblet of Fire, um, it took me an entire weekend because um, my my parents had some friends coming in from out of town, friends <laughs> who um, didn't uh, believe in Harry Potter. Um, so I was not allowed to read it in their presence. Um, so I, my mom would be like, Mandy, stop reading. We have to go do this thing with them. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you like, don't know how good this is. <laughs> things like this. I mean, this, this whole, at this point, I had been reading plenty of adult novels where equally terribly bad things happened, right? But this was the first kid series I'd ever read where Harry's world was pretty safe up to this point, you know? Sirius kind of broke it a little bit in that he did attack Hogwarts and got through so many barriers. But in the end, when Sirius was good, you were kind of like, oh, balance has been restored, <laughs> you know? Like, of course Sirius is able to do all those things. He's good. And then you get book four and that... that piece we had about Hogwarts, I guess, uh, where you were like, this is a, this is a fortress of safety and solitude in this tumultuous Harry Potter world. It was not anymore. That was breached. And, uh, a student died, a a student we cared about and liked and, uh, Harry almost died. (laughs) Yeah. It was a game changer. It it was game changer. End of the. It still gives me chills to think about it. (laughs) So, so, and this is the big thing: is the end state of this book is Voldemort's back. Voldemort's back. Voldemort's back. Dumbledore knows alarms are going to be rung, and Harry still has to go home to Privet Drive, and where they just, just don't understand at all where they have no idea how serious things are. They don't understand that Harry is enemy number one for the, uh, you know, um, it's a really big deal and really alarming. And and it's just like, you know, Cedric's dead. Harry witnessed it. Things, things are not going to be the same. I mean, it it is the reason that we have talked about this book for such a long time. It is the turning point. It's the climax. It's the turning point of the series. It's where, where just everything gets real. Um, really real. Uh, it, it just feels there, there's no, the world can't be the same after this one. Hey everyone, Michael here. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. As you can tell, we ended right here, although this was actually an unintended split that seemed to work well for us because we recorded a whole lot of content and it was way too much for us to continue including the last three books into this episode. So I hope you enjoyed this one and stay tuned next week for the finale of our Harry Potter extravaganza. 